Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That's me. With me, as always, with a very different definition of three minutes, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Uh, Mike, I just need a little time. I just need a little time. How much time is in those time? I'm doing fine, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. We have an awesome show for everyone today. Um, Twins today. Yes, Brandon and I showed up to the party wearing the same shirts today, unbeknownst to one another. We are both repping DraftKings harder than hell right now. Shout out to Papa DK. We appreciate all the money. But oh, man. we um we do have a fun show today. We have a lot going on in the lead up to football season, and we appreciate you guys sticking with us and being patient as we've rolled it all out. We've been doing college football conference reviews, which will continue today. Tom Fornelli from CBS Sports and the Cover 3 podcast is going to join us, get you all Big Ten ready, considering they were the conference that got everyone hot and bothered this offseason with all the different moves with USC and UCLA. So, Plenty of interesting to unpack there. As we promised, we have got the NFL top five, bottom five from the weekend that was. This is going to be something that pops up every week. We had a full slate of preseason games, and so we thought we'd get right with that today. We've also got even more news continuing to leak out of the side of the NBA machine in New York. But, Brandon, the reason I brought up three minutes, and I was amazed. So we're getting ready to record, and... Brandon has pushed back the time on recording now, 25 Uh, minutes or somewhere in that range. And as he sits here getting ready to order delivery food on his phone, he tells me he needs three minutes. And his quote that I still don't know what it means, and I'm asking now genuinely in front of the congregation here on the show, is Brandon looks up to me at some point (laughs) and says, and this is a direct quote that I wrote down, (laughs) 
Everything on Uber Eats has a mom or dad. It does, Mike. What does that mean? As someone who just came back from a doctor's appointment, uh, as someone who's been a, a hefty person, uh, one of my friends told me I need a new doctor. I definitely am obese. Uh, Congratulations <laughs> on six appointments running without a pre-diabetic or obesity diagnosis. Thank you. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know about that. One of them did have a pre-diabetic diagnosis, but I worked my way out of that. They, they give you a little shock. But anyways, as someone who's paying attention to the things I put in my body, the worst things you can put in your body are things with mommies and daddies, Mike. Meats, the milks, like anything that had a mother and father that was processed and got to my my front door. Something that's not farm to table, especially on the Uber Eats apps, especially in Louisville, Kentucky, where Yum Brand is our main uh, uh, export of, of goods is the freaking Jack Harlow chicken sandwich from KFC. It's a lot of things with mommies and daddies on those, these food delivery sites. It's hard for me to get something, something, something green, Mike, something clean uh, when I get on these apps. Even at Panera, they're giving these chicken sandwiches away now. I Mommy mean, and daddy. Yeah, chicken has a mom and dad, and it's good. For, it's fine for you. Fish has a mom and dad. I know, but just the things that mo with mommies and daddies produce cancer I mean, proteins in your body and things like things that. The things with mommies and daddies don't pop them in the deep fryer, Brandon. Like... Oh, I mean, I I would like that. That's what I like. I like the breaded mushroom bites. I like the the uh, everything they're doing with Brussels sprouts right now is very inventing. Even little bacon, which does have a mommy and daddy. Oink oink. Um, I I like I like the things they're doing now with the heavily breaded uh, vegetable options as appetizers. Brussels sprouts have had the had the moment that pickleball is having right now as a sport. Brussels sprouts got a great agent and glowed up after <laughs> yes. their last relationship, and pickleball is doing the same shit right now. I thought you were going to reference food franchises that had like mama or like to me oh. like the surest sign that a food franchise is going to make you fatter is if it has like aunt or uncle in it <laughs> i feel like very much in line with who i want to be as an aunt or an uncle my job's to be an agent of chaos and to give right. you the things your parents wouldn't give you and that feels like what every restaurant with aunt or uncle potentially in there is supposed to do i tell you what dad dad is that too and and grandparents your 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 grand your uh, mom and dad are figuring that out as well every time the baby has something that i'm supposed to have for the first time it's via a grandparent but also via a dad like i remember today or this weekend i went to starbucks i saw a cake pops were only 150 calories i came back i told michelle i was like hey babe i bought carter a cake pop she's like no the fuck you didn't i was like what do you mean she's like he's not eating that i was like it's hundred. She's like, he's not eating that. I was like, oh, okay. So I had a cake pop. <laughs> it sounds like you just used that to essentially smuggle a cake pop into your gut. I don't. I'm not interested in cake pops. I'm interested in, in giving my son a little like, a little like, oh, what's this? You know. But yeah, let's, you let's want talk you want to you want to bribe him for his affection with sugar because you know it's going to be a great dopamine hit. That's a smart move. That's great power playing on parenthood. Yeah, I mean, then, then I'll run, run laps with him outside and just, you know, get him ready for the combine. He's got years, though. He's got, some, he's got about 20 years. We got time. We got time. Yeah. We're investing heavily in Carter right now. The bottom line <laughs> is production. 
In the meantime, let's talk about the guys that are actually currently in the NFL. So, yes. we want to start our NFL top five, bottom five. It's as simple as it sounds because you don't have to overthink football shit. Top five moments from the NFL weekend, bottom five moments from the NFL weekend that was. We know it's the preseason, and we know you can't take everything away from these games, but there is some shit that we can do here. So, we'll alternate these each week, but Brandon... I have the top five for this week. You have the bottom five for this week. So let's start with the good and then finish with the bad. How's that sound? Let's go. All right. And we will do that right after I tell you about something else that's going to make you feel good. And that's our friends at Dr. Emil Nutrition, Brandon. We've been talking about them. You love them. You know them around this podcast. They are a fantastic supporter of this show, and we greatly appreciate their help. Dr. Emil Nutrition believes getting healthy should make you feel better, not just someday, but every day. They want you to stop waiting for tomorrow and start living a new and better life today. We've told you about so many of the supplements here. They've got great daily energy supplements here. It's a dose of natural, sustainable energy that boosts your energy, your endurance, your focus with ingredients like vitamins B6 and B12. Uh, niacin, green tea, which is a natural stimulant that promotes the use of fat cells as an energy source. So you can get those the hell out of here. We want to get fat cells the hell out of here. Dr. Emil is going to help us do that. Dr. Emil has an array of natural, high-quality supplements that were hand-selected to enhance each aspect of your personal wellness journey. Visit DrEmilNutrition.com and use the discount code GOJO20, that's G-O-J-O-2-0, for 20% off plus free shipping on all orders. Again, that's Dr. Emil, spelled D-R-E-M-I-L, nutrition.com. All right, Brandon, let's get to the goods. Let's go to the top five here. I'm going to go five to one because obviously that's how we do shit around here from this yes. NFL weekend. Number five, let's get big. We are a Hard Knocks fan show on this podcast, and the Lions offensive line went out there and did the damn thing. Only out there for one drive, but they were rolling motherfuckers off the rock. I understand it was the Falcons. I understand that this is the preseason, but on their yeah. lone drive, on six carries, they had 32 rushing yards, including a nine-yard rushing touchdown from DeAndre Swift. And you look across the board, man, Jonah Jackson, Panay Sewell, all these guys were just rolling dudes off the ball in a way you don't see in the NFL very much in a league where it's big on big, great on great. And so that's the identity they've tried to build this team around. And so far, they are continuing to put their hand in the pile in the right spot. Yes, I'll just say that uh, you're definitely drinking the Hard Knocks Kool-Aid, but I am too. It's a nice little, it's nice blue, and, and it tastes really good. I won't comment on what the Lions defensive line looked like at times during that game, but I digress. Number four, Brandon, is a guy I've been, I wouldn't say critical of, but I've tried to be realistic about in the past. Jalen Hurts. Big winner on the weekend. Six for six, 80 yards and a touchdown in his lone uh, drive for the Philadelphia Eagles in their game. This is a team and a quarterback that I've said, to me, career-wise, tracks high-end backup. But what we know about him and the reason I think that's true is because he is incredibly poised, he is extremely athletic, and we've seen him continue to grow as a passer through his college career and into his NFL career. I think what it sets up for the Eagles is a season where they could potentially challenge the Dallas Cowboys for this division because when that offensive line's healthy, it's one of the best in the NFL. They've drafted some quality depth there, and we know they're waiting for Devonta Smith to get back healthy. You got A.J. Brown out there at wide receiver. So 
I thought it was a very strong showing for Philly's young quarterback who's in a big year. I probably has as much to prove as anyone in that division just as far as keeping his job from here on out, knowing the Eagles got some picks coming down the line. Yeah, what's the uh, Bizarre World Superman? Or Bizarre World uh, Mario? Oh, Wario? Wario? Yeah. I think Wario is the Eagles to the Cowboys Mario. Ooh, that's all right. That's a... That's a fair point there. This Eagles team, very interesting overall. Defense got a lot faster. Hassan Reddick, Kazir White. like There's some dudes on that side that can play some ball too, but we'll focus on quarterbacks for now. And at number three. Number three might be a little bit selfish because I'm so glad to see. This is more about his situation and what he's received. Trevor Lawrence. Now, only 6 of 12 in that game, but 95 yards, a touchdown. The first pass of the game was a 32-yarder to Zay Jones. And Brandon... Doug Peterson taking over. We've heard the players talk about how different it's been in experience so far. Being treated like adults, being treated like grown men, and seeing an offense cater to what its quarterback does well. That's what we expected Doug Peterson to come in and do. I talked to Mina Kimes and Dan Orlovsky who both said, this is going to look a lot like the 2017 Eagles offense. And what did we see? Trevor Lawrence getting the ball out of his hand quick. Moving the pocket and getting him out on the run where he was sensational during his time at Clemson. He's in a situation now where it seems like this team is actually going to play to his strengths, and I'm just excited to see him get a year of actual development to go along with all the talent that we know is there. I'm just glad Trevor Ntn is back healthy. I think he had 10 touches in in one drive uh, for the time he was out there, so I want to see them back to, not together, but obviously we got robbed of it last year. So, yes, Jacksonville Jaguars, interesting on offense. Yep, disagreed with the pick of Travis Etienne in the first round, but talented player James Robinson also, I think, getting back out there, starting to get healthier. So a backfield that could definitely help their young quarterback out. Number two, Brandon. Kevin Clark from The Ringer brought it up. Mm-hmm. He, him, watch is yes, absolutely supernovaing right now. George Pickens, a.k.a. Himbo Slice, went out there and fucked it all up for Pittsburgh. Everyone was focused on what was going on at quarterback. Mitch Trubisky getting the start, Mason Rudolph going in after that, and then their first-round pick, Kenny Pickett, going in. And I don't think upsetting the apple cart all that much yet. He looked good, but I don't think good enough to upset the order. George Pickens had three receptions for 43 yards and a 26-yard touchdown catch that was a toe-drag swag play in the back of the end zone for the ages as Kobe Bryant on the other side for the Seahawks was trying to jostle him out of bounds. He just looks the part, Brandon. We already saw one of those plays where he beats the shit out of a DB on the line of scrimmage on a run-blocking play. Like, this dude, we said, that dog in him. He is him. He's that guy. He's a dude. He is everything under the sun. And it seems like, yet again, the Pittsburgh Steelers found a way to go ahead and draft a a receiver outside of the first round then strike gold on, dude. Yes, and for some reason, it's always a wide receiver... Sans Antonio Brown, obviously, he turned into a different monster later on in his career. But that are just, like, innately good and, like, it's not that big of a deal to them how good they are wide receiver. And I know you love him because he did an interview for the Pittsburgh Steelers social media account where he said that his favorite shows were Disney shows, very similar yes. to what you subscribe to. Phoebus and Firm, I, I just I, – I see him. I, I recognize him. I feel seen. 
He's got a fan of me. What can I say? He's a very Pittsburgh receiver. We always think of Heinz Ward, even Chase Claypool and a lot of those guys who want to get in there yeah. and be physical. That's where George Pickens occupies. It's going to allow Chase to move back into the slot, which is probably going to be a good move Ooh. for him. So very good excited for, for the potential on that Pittsburgh offense. But number one, Brandon, I said it yesterday. It's no surprise if you were listening. This was only going to go to one person. Matt Areza, the punt, gar- punt god. 82-yard punt, 62-yard yard net. If you're a nerd that's going to worry about net punt with this guy while he's blasting the unholy piss out of footballs with his leg, I don't have time for you. Appreciate a good thing. <laughs> College football decided to give you this beautiful gift. And too many people in the NFL passed on and slept on that gift in the draft. The Buffalo Bills said, hey, we're about winning Super Bowls this year. We're not going to get many punts, and when we get them, we want to make them count. And they drafted a human weapon at that position. So the punt god stands at number one. As he should. I want to say, we haven't said this yet. Shout out to Michael Smith joining the uh, Amazon Prime team covering uh, football Thursday nights. Yes, Thursday night football, which is very exciting. But uh, while I was working for him, a brother from another, this was the number one player in his big draft going into the draft. He, he just wanted to know where the punt guy was going, coming from San Diego State. And he ended up in a really good situation. He did. He ended up with a fantastic team. So we got the top five there. Not a ton of surprises, but Brandon, we got to go and wait on into the gutter. You got the bottom five this weekend. So five to one, go ahead and break us off a little bit. What do you got? Well, just to give a little spice to this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this with a smile on my face, Mike. <laughs> it's also National Joke Day. <laughs> so this is all funny. Um, Deshaun Watson, boo! Deshaun Watson plays the villain role for the first time. Goes one for five and seven yards. Uh, booed the entire series. I believe the chant was, you sick boop, you sick boop, you sick boop. Watson is reportedly had his best day at camp yesterday after moving to the twos uh, permanently. So, yes, that is what the Cleveland Browns have looking forward to them. That is the number five of my worst of the NFL. Should be at the top, but there's other things on the field that we can we can talk about that are more fun to talk about. Yeah, we definitely wanted to do that, but wouldn't be right to not include that. What was objectively a bad football performance in the middle of what's been a nightmare PR performance and otherwise for Deshaun Watson and the Browns so far. Moving on, number four, Mike Vrabel having a lot of bad things to say about fun football. Obviously, you guys saw Malik Willis, who uh, had a really, really fun day against my Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, you don't beat the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason, so uh, the Tennessee Titans knew it was coming there. But after we saw all those great highlight clip plays from uh, Malik Willis, one of them where he reversed field, turned around, and, and made the pie line just for a touchdown, Mike Vrabel, who is, you know, he's not Dan Campbell, so, you know, we, we, I don't know where to feel about him. He said this about Malik. I wanted Malik to throw the ball, and he. I wanted Malik to throw the ball, and he wasn't. So I put Logan Woodside in. Boo. Oh, that's right. He pull, he pulled him earlier Boo. than was expected because he but, thought he was taking off and running too much. But guess what Logan Woodside did? He went out there and was slinging that rock and had two interceptions, uh, and he might get cut from the team. So uh, how about Mike Vrabel? How about you uh, come to the new world, and Malik Willis is already feeling bad because he dropped so low in the, in the draft. How about you let your, your future quarterback start feeling himself a little bit? Listen, I think he just knows he can do those things. And coming out of Hugh Freeze's Ooh. offense at Liberty – 
that wasn't necessarily going to be a modern NFL passing offense. It's simplified. It's fast-paced. It's a lot of things you're not going to get in most NFL situations. And so he just wants to see the best for him, especially because right now it's all about finding ways to help mold Malik Willis because he's not going to have to go out there and play. He should have red zone packages to use that rushing ability that we saw, but he's got time before he's going to have to be the every-down quarterback. Yes, but obviously Tennessee Titan fans have something to look forward to. Y'all don't have Snoop. Y'all don't have Lamar, but Malik might be a close third. Um, Moving on to number three, bottom of the NFL. Mike, it is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals stink all over it. I don't know if you guys know, uh, for the home opener for the preseason, the Arizona Cardinals played the Cincinnati Bengals, and head coach Cliff Kingsbury allowed Kyler Murray to call the offensive plays during the fourth quarter, and it was three series and uh i'm less focused on the fact that uh call of duty kyler gained what negative two yards in those three series because obviously he he shouldn't be calling the plays what i care most about is the fact that cliff and kyler apparently what led to this instance is kyler just shitting on cliff every second he gets in in the in the uh in the training camp Apparently, when Cliff calls plays in, Kyler shakes his head, says no, they're, they're button heads left and right, and Cliff Kingsbury's like, you know what, how about you give it a try? How about you get the uh, try? And I guess he plays more Call of Duty than he does Madden, Kyler Murray, because doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Uh, they had a little bit of inertia going in. Obviously, it was the fours versus the fours at that point in time when uh, the plays were being called. But prior to the fourth quarter, the Cardinals had scored 36 points. Eight full drives, six of which ended in points, and uh, even scored touchdowns on three of the consecutive drives when Murray was not calling the plays. And the thing I have the biggest issue about this, Mike, is the fact that Cliff Kingsbury even said after the game that he'd hate to be the quarterback while Kyler Murray was calling the plays. This feels nasty. It feels ugly. It feels like the Cardinals, who they gave a lot of money to Kyler Murray, really don't mess with him like that. And obviously Cliff Kingsbury needs to do some stuff to to earn the respect of his starting quarterback, but it doesn't look like it's happening this season. It doesn't look like there's a lot of respect going around there between either of those two parties. I'm never one to look at the Cardinals and think anyone is blameless in this process, but they all just signed extensions, like literally all of them, between Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray. So they're going to have to figure out how to play better with each other. I will say this, the fact that all this stuff keeps going public, because a lot of this, like I understand, it's sort of the kitschy thing where you want to just make them approach the game in a different way. And since they can't have the homework clause in there, they said, all right, maybe we'll make them think about, you know, sequencing play calls and stuff like that. Where I do agree with him is, I never really like playing Madden in football games all that much either. First-person shooters and uh, RPG and uh, and uh, role-playing games, way more fun than playing sports no. games. Way more no, fun. No, no. I don't believe that because I like playing chess with video game characters, and that is all Madden is. You disagree? What's that's your all. Face? That's all Halo Three is. Uh, no, because you got to be able to execute. You got to be able to get them in the crosshairs and shoot. I can't do that stuff. Yeah, I, I know, because we're built different, me and Kyler and the rest of the first-person shooters. Oh, my gosh, yes. Good, good, good luck this season to both of you. Um, number two on the list, obviously, could be number one for a lot of people, but Zach Wilson missing two to four weeks. Obviously, this is the best-case scenario after a non-contact injury with Wilson uh, during their uh, – they play? I don't even care. Uh, he's getting arth- arthroscopic knee surgery in Tuesday – 
today in Los Angeles. Uh, he's expected to come back, but not only do the Jets fans have to deal with 37-year-old Joe Flacco as their interim QB during this time period while Zach Wilson is getting things figured out, based on his performance before the preseason injury, Mike, he needs all the reps he can get. I'm talking about the guy with all that dog in him with Zach Wilson. Um, this is uh, something that was written about the, that, that uh, terrible, what are they calling it? Wilson's two terrible mental decisions, only six dropbacks during the preseason opener. After Wilson telegraphed an interception ended his first drive, New York coach Robert Sala apparently mouthed to him, I can't believe you threw that. So uh, looks like uh, Zach Wilson, the 23-year-old gunslinger, could use some reps that he's not going to get. But don't worry, guys. Joe Flacco to the rescue. Or White Dad. Mike, or White Mike, who stepped in yes. admirably and started a lot of the weird conversation about if they'd be better off with him. The good news is it's only two to four weeks, and he will have a chance to get back out there and get the reps during the season. We talked with this uh, to Ramon Foster about this. Really, that first quarter of the season is like preseason for most of the starters now in the NFL. This guy needs live game reps and needs to get better in a hurry because they're counting on that dog coming out. Yeah, yeah, they need they need that. They need that little riff riff out there. Uh, but moving on to the number one worst thing from the NFL, and obviously this was not on the field, and that's not obvious, but I'm telling you now, this NFL top 100 list. Now, I see people saying they usually try to ignore it every year because they're uh, they're triggered. But I used to love this list, Mike. I, they've been doing it for plenty of years in a row at this point in time. Uh, I didn't do the research to find out how long, but it's been a minute ever since the NFL Network's been a network, honestly. So I kind of like that they introduced the concept of players ranking each other going into every season and how they unveil it. But – they seem to get some things wrong. I was going to bring this up yesterday because I thought it was amazing that Mac Jones made it at number 85 on the uh, NFL's top 100 list voted by the players. Mac Jones finished out his uh, first rookie year in the NFL with 3,800 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a 92.5 passer rating. But... Number 99 on that list was Kirk Cousins, the Vikings' uh infamous quarterback he had 4,221 passing yards 33 touchdowns seven interceptions and a 103 passer rating so he's clearly better but the NFL players are like you know what I think I like this Mac Jones guys better and I think I agree with them but here's the problem Mike and here's where I'm gonna let you go off on your tangent our guy Zach Martin, the, the man who made me realize that I was not going to the NFL in a drill in college Mike, they have him ranked at 68 right now. And I think this may be it's after being on the list for six straight appearances, which is reputable, notable, uh, commendable. But this is one of the lowest that he's ever been, and I don't think he deserves to be this low. It's a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. And what I'm not going to do is what I thought I was going to do in this, which is use the name of some of the players above him to point out Ooh. what an egregious embarrassment this is. I'm not going to go that route that. because they're NFL players who I appreciate their contributions. They were better at ball than I ever was, yada, yada, yada. It's some fucking bullshit out here. <laughs> I just don't understand 
what I'm missing. I understand Zach Martin's brand of offensive guard is not sexy. Quentin Nelson, another Notre Dame guy who we love, is the man-eater. He's the one out there trying to crack skulls every play. He is absolutely one of the best guards in the NFL. But in the last decade, this has been the Zach Martin show, part of the all-decades team. And let's not even rely on history. Let's just look at last year. Zach Martin made his now 7th All-Pro team, was a first-team All-Pro at guard this past season, had his career-best PFF grade of 93.9, was one of the highest-rated offensive linemen in the NFL. He had two penalties all of last season. He allowed one sack all of last season. He gave up 19 pressures on 688 pass-block snaps over the course of 15 starts last year. Brandon, I can keep going down the list of the few quantifiable stats that exist for offensive linemen. He was seventh among offensive guards in pass block win rate. He had everything you could have wanted. The tape grinders, guys like Brandon Thorne, who do an outstanding job of drilling down and watching more tape than God, which you need to do along offensive line, continue to say that Zach Martin is the prototype for the position. That, like I've said, if he were to leave the game today... He would be a walk-in first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't understand this. I don't know if it's because he's not mauling people the way that some people want. This is the best offensive guard in professional football, and the fact that he is not in the top 10 is ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's uh, the one of the first tweets I saw off of that was obviously saying he's way too low. He's like, okay, one of the top three offensive linemen in the NFL is ranked 85, sure. And those stats really do articulate that, Mike. I did not know he was that good. But I think it is an example of the LeBron James effect, the Tom Brady effect. And, yes, I will stand up and compare Zach Martin to those guys in the sense that we get tired of consistent greatness. I I said I wasn't going to do it. Derek Carr's at 65. What the fuck? Don't Derek, do Derek Carr, Derek like Carr had a very good season, but Derek Carr is what at best the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL. I was I would say yes. Those two could switch numbers, and no one would say anything. I mean, they would say this is the right order of things. And again, Derek Carr is <laughs> very good quarterback. The other guy's the best at what he does in the league. So. I needed to just get that out I know, here. But Mike, I but am, Mike, I'm, I'm, every year, Brandon, I'm the person you talked about. I'm the one who said, I'm not going to let this made-for-TV, made-for-pissed-off-people-online list affect me. And then every year they do this shit, and I have to go on a vendetta for defending a person whose resume needs no defense. Like, I am looking forward to going to Zach Martin's Hall of Fame induction ceremony five years to the day after he decides to retire, whenever that is. That's where he's going to get his validation. But from being left off as a first-team All-American when he was in college at Notre Dame to Mike Mayock, who called Zach Martin's game, saying he had to go back and watch the tape when Zach Martin was blowing up the combine as if it wasn't already evident he was one of the top linemen, I have constantly had to fight for the existence of the person who is the best football player I have ever played with or against. End of fucking rant. I felt that one. All right, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna compose myself. That was our top five, bottom five. If you had any hey. beefs with it, at Gojo Show on Twitter, download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us five star rating and leave us what your top five or bottom five moments from the NFL weekend would have been. When we come back, 
CBS Sports' Tom Fornelli is going to help us preview the Big Ten. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, conference previews roll along, and it's time to head to the conference that has defined this college football offseason. And to help us out with that, CBS sports writer and co-host of the Cover 3 podcast, Tom Fornelli, joining us on the podcast here. Tom, we appreciate you getting into the podcast with us that smells most like ranch. It's my favorite part of going back into Big Ten country is everything is doused in ranch. I just drank a bowl of ranch for dinner, so I'm really happy to be here and discuss ranch with you both. <laughs> Perfect now, are you, are you Now, are you someone, Ashley Nicole Moss of, of uh, Sports Illustrated says you have to choose blue cheese or ranch. Are, do you agree that civil people can have both? You can. I won't. Like I, I will have ranch over blue cheese. Like I, it's blue cheese is just mold. I mean, why, why do you want to actively eat mold? It's like it's like if you if you open the fridge, if you open the fridge and you go in and get a carton of milk and you open the carton of milk and it's like, oh, you're not like, oh hell yeah, and you don't start chugging it. So why are you eating blue cheese? I do, I do love the thought oh, that much like the popular meme where it's like, I think it was like an old like Dane Cook bit where it's like an escalator's never broken, it just becomes stairs. It's like, oh man, this milk's not bad, it's just become te- cheese yeah. tangent. We're good to go here. Alright, see, Tom, a man of great taste, which is why mm-hmm. we brought him in for this particular conference because uh, Tom as has been well documented and we're excited to look at some of the on-field portions of this for the Big Ten season which got a little bit of upheaval last year we saw a different face representing the conference in the college football playoff Michigan slayed a lot of their dragons and managed to get over some pretty big humps but this offseason the Big Ten decided to drop the bomb on everybody else as USC and UCLA will now be part of our ranch drinking brothers and sisters in the Big Ten when they find make that move there where were you tom the moment when the big 10 decided to expand to los angeles i was sitting on my couch drinking a bowl of ranch when the news broke on twitter and <laughs> spilled ranch all over my shirt but it was fine because it was my ranch shirt so it was you know <laughs> ranch shirt. I knew it. <laughs> you gotta have a ranch shirt but no it's it was one of those things where it's like i've i had the oddest reaction to it in that 
like I, of course like usc and ucla are in the big 10 like you first see the tweet and you're like checking for the blue mark okay somebody's fucking around and pretending yeah. there's oh, wait can right. i swear on here oh yeah you, have, you absolutely <laughs> right, cool. can i was just gonna say it had to be like ball sack sports or something we were all bracing for yeah, impact exactly so somebody's messing around and but i'm like okay no this is real so at first you're kind of like wow what the hell but at the same time the way college football is going these days there's it's really hard to be caught by surprise by anything so it's like yeah usc and ucla to the big 10 sure why not that's the midwest now well no problem yeah. geography is not real at any point in this process anymore but you're right this is kind of the consolidation that we've seen happening across college football it got started in earnest last year with texas and oklahoma as you survey the landscape now we're pretty close to the start of the season we had so many rumors that flew mm-hmm. despite all the silence that led to that initial move here as you've kind of poked around and i'm sure seen and heard plenty about this do you think we're kind of in the clear as far as what expansion is going to look like here for the near future? Are we done for the time being? I think you guys have a better idea of that than I do because I think we're all waiting for Notre Dame to do what Notre Dame's going to do. Because I think if you're the Big Ten, and this is just you know speculation on my part, no interior kind of knowledge, but you're not doing anything else until Notre Dame says if notre dame says yeah we'll join the big 10 then you're like okay cool we're gonna find somebody else to bring with you probably stanford but if it's not notre dame and you look at the other schools in the big the pac-12 that are out there stanford and cal i don't really think bring enough as a pair to make worthwhile for the conference oregon and washington i think are attractive as far as like football is concerned but they don't bring enough revenue wise for the conference to make sense so unless you can somehow figure out a way to break the grant of rights in the acc until Notre Dame decides one way or the other and emphatically says what it's going to do, I don't think we're going to see anybody make another move anytime soon. And I mean, based off everything that we've seen from the TV dollars being thrown out there, the uh, statements from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, saying, walking back that you know st- staunch stance on mm-hmm. automatic qualifiers and the expanded college football playoff, it kind of seems like all roads are leading to continued independence at this point. Like a lot of the dominoes that were going to have to fall to keep Notre Dame out of the playoff or potentially force them financially into that position. Like we saw the numbers that ESPN turned down for the B-list Big Ten package. Yeah. And everyone just immediately looked at seven Notre Dame home games and said, all right, if that is worth that, then what are these potentially worth? And all of a sudden that, you know, reported $75 million a year mark that Notre Dame wants to hit seems like a lot easier ask at this point if that's the only thing keeping you you know from independence yeah i do think that if notre dame they can get 75 million if that's what they're looking for honestly i think they might have made a mistake if whoever let that leak out and said 75 million they probably should have kept their mouth shut because i honestly think notre dame could probably get more than that the way things are going right now because like espn i think is pretty much filled but if you're NBC and you really need to keep Notre Dame especially you're going after the Big Ten and from the reports are they want to have the Big Ten in prime time you still need Notre Dame in the afternoon so I think it's still very valuable to NBC I think CBS would be interested don't have any inside info there but I think you know any of these networks would be interested in getting Notre Dame because as far as ratings wise like that is the one thing on television that still works live sports it's really the only thing you can count on and Notre Dame is one of the more reliable kind of ratings boosts every single week on Saturdays during the fall to support you. So I feel like Notre Dame's probably going to get at least 75. They might still be able to get more. And I think, yeah, you're right. If that's the case, then really they don't have a need to join a conference because Notre Dame's gone this long without joining a conference despite the fact that it could have gotten more money the entire time if it had done so. 
I love this. I mean, as the prettiest uh, team in the ball, like <laughs> just that's why I, that, that's why I don't want. I don't want a package deal. Like, by the way, let me just say, I didn't come to Notre Dame for this. I came. I went to Notre Dame because they put they put Lyman in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my mindset. Then I came here and I was like, ooh, ooh, everyone hates us. Ooh, it's the country club of college football teams. Like, oh, this is this is kind of nice. I, I joined the Cowboys on accident. But uh, so my thing is, I don't want a package deal because we're that big. Like, yeah. I want I want people getting kicked out. I want to like, okay, uh, take Rutgers, Maryland, and maybe Penn State, and uh, then you can get Notre Dame. Like, I want Yo, people get moved to Independence when Notre Dame moves to Big Ten. If I'm in charge, I will trade Rutgers for Notre Dame. I will make that deal. <laughs> and Maryland? <laughs> when, uh, I'm just, oh, I don't know. It's a very valuable market area or something. I don't know. But no, it's, it's again, cool. I'll, I'll make that trade. In a heartbeat. Later, Rutgers. Bye. When Tom when Tom Fornelli becomes czar of college football, Greg Schiano's going to have to look for another place to punt rush on kneel downs at the end of games here because it will not be inside the Big Ten. But uh, all right, you know we we've had enough college football business talk for one summer here. Let's actually start to take a look because my favorite thing has been getting ready for the season now and looking up and kind of realizing all the different parts that have moved and all the things that have changed. But, Tom, with all of that, the Big Ten as a conference might be the poster for how things stay the same because this is a conference that had no coaching turnover at the head coaching spot this last season, has long, for a long time, been the poster of stability in so many of those positions, and for a long time at the top of the conference, especially in the college football playoff era, it's been Ohio State and then everybody else. So that changed a lot that last year. Tom, I feel like we spent so much of this preseason listening to Nick Saban's comments about how last year was a rebuilding year for Alabama. I mm-hmm. feel like part of us could say that about Ohio State and some of the places where their staff got and certainly where the roster on defense got. Is there a chance they make this season very unfun for everybody? Because on paper, this looks like a team that is heads and tails above most of its Big Ten counterparts right now. Yes, that's. Uh, if you look at the depth chart on offense, it's an NFL team. Like you go up and down every single spot on that roster. It's like NFL dude, NFL dude, NFL dude. Like, and not just like, you know, late round or like roster filler. Like, they're all first round picks for the most part. Like, if you look at their, like, honestly, it's funny. Like, there's been plenty of jokes in Chicago about it. Like, Justin Fields goes from Ohio State to the Bears and he's got worse receivers in the NFL than he had in college. And that is still the case at Ohio State. (laughs) So they're going to score a ton of points. But I'm with you. Like, last year, like the last few years, honestly, the problem that Ohio State has had has been defensively. Ever since Jeff Halfley left to take over the job at Boston College, they just haven't been as good on the defensive side of the ball. There's been some changes with the coaches, and last year, Kerry Combs took over for the defensive coordinator, and it was a very similar situation to what we saw with Michigan in the years prior when they had Don Brown, who was an excellent defensive coordinator. Very experienced, been around for a long time, coached a lot of good defenses. But he's kind of falling behind the times as far as what offenses were doing and being able to take advantage of. And it was hurting Michigan, especially when they were playing teams like Ohio State. And Ohio State was in the same position last year. Kerry Combs, experienced, lots of you know, left values, a defensive coordinator, defensive play caller. Kind of behind the times, and you saw, like, you go back to that Oregon game that they lost early in the year. Oregon ran, like, three plays the entire yeah. game. And Ohio State never even bothered to think of adjusting, let alone adjusting. So to move on from Combs and to bring in Jim Knowles who from Ohio State, who I think is one of the best, smartest, brightest defensive coordinators in the game today. Like, if we think of what Ohio State was, or Oklahoma State was, under Mike Gundy, 
It was a team that was scoring 45 points a game, and it was just hoping it didn't give up more than 45 points a game. Like, they were horrible right. defensively. Knowles shows up in Stillwater, and suddenly Oklahoma State becomes like a defense-first team. They're holding you to 17 points a game while Spencer Sanders and the offense is struggling. So now Knowles is going from an Oklahoma State defense where he did he worked wonders with talent level that's not quite where it is at Ohio State, bringing to Columbus where he's got NFL dudes on that defense. And it's hard to imagine Ohio State's defense is not going to improve in 2022 because one of the areas they've severely lacked in, I feel like, if you if you look at back the last few years in the drafts, you got the Bosa brothers, you've got Chase Young, they've had elite pass rushers. They've still recruited five-star pass rushers, but they have not had five-star production from those guys. Knowles mm-hmm. comes in. I bet you see a lot better pass rush from Ohio State this year because Oklahoma State, I think, last year ranked third in the country in sack rate or pressure rate, so he knows how to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So now you're taking what's going to be one of the best offenses in the country. You're improving the defense. This team is, once again, going to be a monster. Michigan caught them at the right time last year, took advantage of it. Full credit to the Wolverines. But I don't think they're going to get him again this year. Well, speaking of Michigan, I don't know if you saw R.J. Youngs from Fox Sports had his preseason top 25 come out, and everyone's going nuts because Michigan is nowhere to be found in the top 25, (laughs) which is a a little egregious. But is there any merit to Michigan having that much of a fall off after being in the national championship game last year? I never say never. I don't think there's much merit to doing it in the preseason. Like maybe after I, I could see it happening, but for your preseason, I think it's, you, you kind of have to start Michigan at least in the top fifteen at absolute worst. But there are reasons to be skeptical because they do lose Aiden Hutchinson. They you know they they lose Daxton Hill. They lose a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball that were fantastic for them last year. But the thing is, they've still recruited very well. They don't recruit like Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. And they're a little bit falling behind, I think, in the NIL game. But they still have very good players. And they still have, like, if you look, Bruce Feldman released his freaks list last week. I think Michigan's defense had four players on it of the top 100, including the number one player. And I think they had, like, two in the top 15. Like, there are still some really freaky dudes on that defense. They're going to be fine. Offensively, I think they're still going to be solid. They have a very good offensive line. I think, personally, when you look at the quarterback situation between Cade McNamara, I understand why Jim Harbaugh likes him because he doesn't do anything stupid. Like, he's not going to put the ball at risk, and he's not going to hurt you. And Jim Harbaugh is still very much kind of old-school smash-mouth, just complimentary football, will score points in defense, will win the game, go home, win 21-17. to But they also have J.J. McCarthy. (laughs) And I think J.J. McCarthy is very much a higher ceiling at the quarterback position, and I think if they put him in, it increases Michigan's chances of beating teams like Ohio State. But I don't know what they're going to do. But I I think the other thing that works to Michigan's favor is if you look at their schedule, it's not that difficult. Like I, I don't think it's completely out of line that when we get to late November and it's Ohio State-Michigan week, they might both be 11-0. And if that's the case, the Big Ten could find itself in a situation that the SEC has found itself in so many times where it's like, as long as the loser of that game doesn't get clowned, like say Ohio State wins a close one against Michigan, goes on and wins the Big Ten championship the week after, and Michigan's sitting there at 11-1 and one, and its lone loss is a good loss to Ohio State, the Big Ten might have two teams in the playoff this year. 
God, I, th- this seems like the year where we could somehow wind up with like an SEC Big Ten college football playoff, the mm-hmm. way the talent has kind of broken down here. Because everything you mentioned about Michigan is spot on. I love the idea that Jim Harbaugh, by the way, at one point was touted as this quarterback whisperer when really all he's whispering is, don't fuck this up for us. Yes. Whatever yes. you do, don't fuck this up. <laughs> like that's, that's all that's being whispered. But it, it seems like overall for this team, they could be a little bit worse on the field, but still be in the same place yeah. or even better record-wise just based on that schedule. Like, it, it, How much does the loss of Josh Gaddis potentially hurt on offense? That was the one thing I looked at this offseason, his departure down to Miami, as maybe an area where you could look for some regression considering I think he was the Broyles winner last year or the year mm-hmm. before. I think I think there's definitely something you have to account for there because I do think Gaddis did a good job with that offense. But I also wonder too, like obviously money is involved, but there might be more reasons why Gaddis is leaving Michigan for Miami. Like if you look mm-hmm. at what Gaddis did his first few years at Michigan, like they were like when when Harbaugh made that hire, the biggest critique of Harbaugh's offense at Michigan was, you know, like they were, they were Iowa for the most part. They were like a faster Iowa. It was like, we're just going to run the ball hand off and throw to our tight ends and, you know, like, you know, try to win games with 21 points. And people are like, whoa, if, if we're, if we want to compete for national titles, look at what Alabama's done. Look at what Ohio state has done. You have to modernize your offense. You need RPO. You need to spread things out. You need to have three or four receiver sets. So Harbaugh goes and hires Gaddis because he is more along the lines of that kind of offense. He's got experience in coaching it, and they're thinking that he's going to be able to bring it to Michigan. And for the first couple of years, they try it. And there's you know mixed results. Not great, but they really didn't have the personnel for it yet. And the guys they were recruiting at receiver were still very young. Quarterbacks were not great. But then last year, kind of went back to the bigger, faster Iowa offense, where they were just kind of grounding and pounding it more often than anything. So... I'm wondering if Gaddis kind of maybe didn't have as much freedom to do what he wanted on offense last year, and that played a role in his decision to leave. So I think that there's some, it's something to definitely keep an eye on, but I don't know if the drop-off is going to be that significant. Well, and, and like the other part of that that I feel like in the rash of coaching hirings and the big-time movement this offseason, we forget that there was a very tenuous Jim Harbaugh patch where we weren't sure what that future was going to look like potentially at Michigan. And there were, uh, you know, he wasn't alone in the Big Ten. There were other coaches that did the flirtation to secure a lucrative deal. Their counterpart in East Lansing knows all about that Mm -hmm. with Mel Tucker getting to back up the money truck. But there was a point in time where Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan did not feel like a lock in a way that if you're an assistant coach with options probably also felt kind of weird yeah the man was interviewing for the minnesota vikings job on national signing day like that is (laughs) that's like a story that i feel like just kind of completely got lost and glossed over over the summer like with usc and ucla coming in i think it just kind of threw that to the side but the man was interviewing for the minnesota job on national signing day so as his recruits are signing their national letters of intent and busting the blowing the dust off the fax machine sending it in he's in minnesota interviewing for a job and pretty much everybody had assumed he was getting the job because who the hell is flying to minnesota on national signing day without a pretty good idea that the job deserves apparently jim harbaugh because he didn't get the job he came back and everybody's just like yeah it's not going to happen again <laughs> and, 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 everyone, and everyone seemed to be okay with it because it seems like 
Michigan has this weird relationship with their former quarterback, but also a head coach. And so do you think that he can survive in this evolution? You said that they were hurting for NILs. And I remember it. Listen, I got recruited by Jim Harbaugh when he was at Stanford. It was right after the 0-13 season. And he was telling me up and down that he was going to change the program. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the coaches are saying that. Yep. Everyone that comes in there says they're going to change the program with me. Type, uh, but we saw that Jim Harbaugh actually did do that. But he's also talking at pro-life rallies. Like, there's a lot of things that he's doing on his off-the-field time that seems like maybe bad for new recruits. I think they only have one five-star last year, and he came from Gross Point, Michigan. So, like, outside of the state, like, where is the talent coming from? Well, I mean, I don't know if adopting your players' kids counts as, like, an NIL inducement. <laughs> So well, yeah. Like I also don't know if that's pro or con. It's like, do you want Jim right, Harbaugh like, as your chief babysitter? But I'm just saying, like, okay, so we're not going to give you 75 grand a year, but do you know how much raising your kids going to cost you? Because I will do that. So you know, it's yeah. light. Maybe do, take care, man. Do the take care is expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I I don't know. Like I, it's it is a everything with Jim Harbaugh is and always has been and always will be kind of weird. I think that's the best way to describe the situation. Just kind of weird. (laughs) That is absolutely the best way to describe it. Um, Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Tom, looking around the rest of the Big Ten, once you get past that, you know, rivalry that sits at top, I feel like we had a logjam of very good teams last year. Essentially, the entire Big Ten West was like nine and four. Mm-hmm. You had in the Big Ten East side, still Michigan State won eleven games last year. Was I mean, we had all the controversy about them in the college football playoff being leapfrogged by a Michigan team that beat them, and so. I don't know if you'd count that for Michigan. Like, I don't know what their specific hump would be. Like, to me, Michigan – or, excuse me, Michigan State. Michigan was the team that got over the hump last year in the Big Ten. They had a clear barrier that they hadn't passed, and they found a way at every level to make that happen between Ohio State, Big Ten Championship, and college football playoff. As you kind of look at the logjam of teams that are at that next rung there – is there a team you feel like has the capability to do what Michigan did last year and kind of clear what's been their existing hump so far? Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to do it because they're still in the East and they still have to deal with Michigan and Ohio State. But I think Penn State is that team, honestly. Like, if you look at what Penn State has done the last few years, it's been pretty damn mediocre like they went five they, i can't remember what their final record was in 2020 but i don't care about 2020 because that was just a dumb season but last year like so they're 500 over the last two years and the problem that they've had is 
Penn State's offensive line has never been able to block. It is one of like the greatest mysteries of college football to me in that a team that hasn't been able to recruit at the level that Penn State does and has just the history of Penn State. Why, for the last decade, have you not been able to put together one offensive line that could push a defense off the line of scrimmage just consistently? And they haven't been able to do it. This year, they might not be able to either. But the difference is, the last couple of years, they have not had anything at the running back position. They suffered injuries early in 2020. They had yeah. players retire due to medical reasons. But a few years ago, when Penn State was winning the East, they had you know Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. They haven't had that guy who can overcome a bad offensive line in the last few years. I think they have him this year. There's been a lot of attention paid to the five-star incoming quarterback, Drew Allar, who is not going to win the starting job, But so there's been way too much attention paid to him. But there is also five-star running back Nick Singleton, who is the best talent they have had at the running back position since Saquon. Not saying he is Saquon. Not saying he's going to put up those kind of numbers. I'm just saying talent-wise, he is at that level. He can do some crazy things. He is the big play threat, the guy who can turn nothing into a 70-yard touchdown. And I think putting that in the offense with – Sean Clifford at quarterback, who I feel like has always been kind of unfairly maligned because he's not a superstar quarterback, but he's not just a game manager either. He's just a guy who's been stuck having to do everything on the offense because they can't run the ball. So it was like him and KJ Hamler the last few years, and then Jahan Dotson. It was like, I'm just chucking it up and hoping this guy can go get it. I think you put a running back in there and you give them any semblance of a running game, this is an offense that is going to be a lot better than we've seen it in the last few years, and they still have a really good defense they lost a few guys to the nfl but they've still got plenty more coming back they have what might be the best secondary in the big 10 which i think is more and more important every single year in the sport so i look at penn state and it's gonna be really difficult to get through both michigan and ohio state but if there is one team who to meet the get over the hump requirement in 2022 and take that next step i do think it's penn state God, I just love the idea. I wonder what James Franklin's agent armed with an actual winning season would be able to do because that guy has been able to work his way into some money with mediocrity on the field in a way that, listen, I am always impressed by and will always endorse. I hope everyone gets paid a lot of money, and if you don't have to actually do as much on the field to get it, even better here. You're saving time and you're being efficient. That being said, Tom, everything we've talked about feels like it's sitting on the Big Ten East side of things. Like, is there something to get excited about in the West? We had the weird Iowa flirtation for the first half of last season. Wisconsin seems to be consistently Wisconsin every year. Yeah. Like, is there something that's going Purdue. to jump or spring there for once? I think the West is going to be very exciting in that I have absolutely no idea who the hell is going to win it. Like, it's it's kind of got some ACC coastal qualities this year where, like, we've seen, you know, like, there's usually always never an elite team capable of beating Ohio State, but there's always, like, one team that kind of separates from the pack for the most part in the West, whether, you know, it's Wisconsin's turn or Iowa's turn or Northwestern's turn. And, Brandon, as you said, Purdue took a step forward. We've seen Minnesota playing much better in recent years. But, I mean, I think, honestly, I look at that division – and outside of Illinois and Northwestern, I think the other, and maybe Nebraska, but I think the other teams are all capable of winning the division this year, and I don't see anybody winning it without losing at least three games because when I look at Wisconsin, it's Wisconsin. It's got a giant running back who's going to run all over you, and he's no longer only 17, though. He did turn 18, so that's yes. sorry for those memes. But Braylon Allen is a beast. The offensive line is going to be a Wisconsin offensive line. They're going to have a tight end who's always open on play action up the seam. The problem is, like, Graham Mertz burst onto the scene 
And it was like, oh my God, they've got like a highly rated quarterback at Wisconsin. It's the first time since Russell Wilson was there. And then he comes out his first game against Illinois in the COVID season and doesn't like throw an incompletion the entire game, throws five touchdowns. It's like, Jesus Christ, Wisconsin has this now? Nobody's ever going to be able to stop them. And he has not done anything since. Like, he's been bad for the most part. Like, he replaced, like, he was so highly touted that Jack Cohn transferred, ended up at Notre Dame. And Jack Cohen was just seen as a game manager, Jag, Jag Plus, we like to call him on the Cover 3 podcast. He was better than Mertz, and he's still better than Mertz. And frankly, Wisconsin downgraded by going to Mertz and letting Cohen leave. And that has been a problem for them. So I don't see, unless Mertz suddenly finally takes that step forward in 2022, I don't think Wisconsin's going to be much better than we've seen the last couple of years, where it's going to be able to run the ball, and it's going to be awesome on defense, and it's probably going to lose three games. Iowa... It's Iowa. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the story of the Big Ten West. Like, these teams are so firmly entrenched in identities at this Mm -hmm. point, especially, I mean, for Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, the longest tenured head coach in college football. And as long as he is not going to make any change for his son slash offensive coordinator, I feel like we're going to keep getting what we've been getting. Yeah, and I mean, he's got no reason to change it because, like, he's been there for 70 years. He makes a ton of money. He's not going anywhere. The program, like, obviously, his formula's working for him. Why is he going to change it up? I'm going to go 7 and 5, 8 and 4, 9 and 3. Once in a while, I'll go 11 and 2, and everybody will think I'm great. And then I'll just go 7 and 5 again, and I'll keep doing it. And I'll score 12 points a game on offense and 10 points a game on defense, and that should be enough. So I don't think. We're going to see a difference from Iowa. Probably going to lose three games. Minnesota, interesting. Because they've been good the last few years. 2020, again, throw that out. They were dealing with COVID. They were dealing with injuries. I don't care about that season. But the year before, they won 10 games, beat Auburn in the bowl game. Last year, they were really solid again. And now, Kirk Shiraka is coming back to run the offense. Mm -hmm. And if you remember what that offense did when Chiraka was last there with Tanner Morgan, who's now entering his 20th year at quarterback, and they had Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson at the time. Bateman and Johnson are gone, but this is still a team that, like, last year Minnesota ran the ball like an option offense. They ran the ball nearly 70% of the time. Like, they could, they had nothing in the passing game, nor did they want to pass. They need to be better balanced to be the team that we saw a couple years ago, and I think that they can be, and I think they can compete for the West. I look at Purdue. I'm kind of skeptical about the Boilermakers this year. Like, I understand why people are excited about them because I do think Aiden O'Connell might be the best quarterback in the division, and you have the best quarterback in your division, good chance you're going to win games. But it's still Purdue, and when you lose David Bell and when you lose Karloftis, like your best player on offense and your best player on defense, I don't know that Purdue is recruiting at the level where you could just replace those guys, especially when you lost Rondale Moore the year before. So... I have, I have skepticism about that. And also, if you just look at Jeff Brom's Purdue teams, it's pretty clear. When they have a good defense, they do well. When they have a bad defense, they don't do well. You lose Karloftis, I just don't know how good that defense is going to be because Karloftis, even though if he didn't have the most eye-popping numbers, he was getting double-teamed on every single snap and opening things up for everybody else in that defense to make plays. Without him, those guys aren't going to get nearly the same kind of opportunity, so I'm concerned there. And then the rest of the division, Nebraska, greatest three-win team all time. They're going to improve. But I, was, still so I was just going to ask, like, what is Nebraska's biggest problem at this point, and can enough stupidity. Mark Whipple and Casey Thompson fix that? Uh, Nebraska's biggest problem is Nebraska. It's stupid. It does dumb things in the game. Some of it's coaching, some of it's just player error, but they cannot get through a game without doing something wholly stupid. Like, just ridiculous, dumb shit. And they have to get over the dumb shit. And 
I'm hoping for their sake, like, I don't know, Scott Frost, maybe it's a good thing. You know, we kind of saw with Harbaugh how it worked. Like, Harbaugh had to take a pay cut to keep his job most set for most reasons last year. Michigan ends up in the playoff. Frost has to take a pay cut pretty much to keep his job this year. They're not going to the playoff, but, like, they were better than their record suggested last year, but they did a lot of dumb shit, and they lost a lot of games because of it. Their special teams were like, it was it was like a cartoon for the most part. It was just like they were muffed punts, just missed kicks, blocked kicks, giving it just every, anything they could do wrong on special teams last year, they did. So they bring in a new special teams coordinator. They bring in a new kicker. They bring in a new punter. Probably going to be better. So maybe that doesn't cost you two games this year like it did last year. I think offensively, Mark Whipple comes in. We saw what he did for Kenny Pickett in that pit offense last year. But I think, honestly, the biggest thing isn't Mark Whipple. It's that Adrian Martinez isn't there. And no offense to Adrian Martinez, but he was the captain of the dumb shit. Like, he did so many stupid things with the ball, just trying stuff that there's no reason. Like, there's throws that there are absolutely no reason to even attempt. I'm going to try this throw. And boom, turnover, interception. So getting him out of there and getting – it's Casey Thompson from Texas – I think you're going to see an improvement there. You'd hope so. And if they just play to the way that they played last year, this is a team that should be going to a bowl game. But there's still there's still a lot of ground to make up to catch the top of the division. Kansas State, strap in, my friends. Well, see, that's the funny thing, because Colin Klein is now running the Kansas State offense. Mm-hmm. And if he runs the same offense that he ran while he yes. was Kansas State's quarterback, Adrian Martinez is a perfect fit for that. Just don't let him throw the football. As long as you don't put him in a position where he gets to make a decision with the football in his hand and just tell him to run, all good. I, I, I thought the same thing. Colin Klein is operating the way that John Elway has in Denver for so long, which is I just want quarterbacks that remind <laughs> yes. me of me, and he has gotten the me of quarterback. Now they just need to go out there and not lose to an unranked Baylor that ends up making 2012 Notre Dame play Alabama mm-hmm. in the national title game and fucking up my chance of wearing a big fat ring right now. I will never forgive Colin Klein for losing that goddamn game as long as I live. Kansas State, we would have walked the dog on you. It is my number one indisputable like college football all-time take that Colin Klein has cost me more than he'll ever know. So Colin Klein, Mike Golick headline, yeah. Mike Golick. Colin Klein ruined my life. Yeah. Oh, God, grant me a can. You know what? I've enjoyed going out to Manhattan, Kansas, but, man, if I have to stand there on the sideline, it's going to be real awkward staring over there at Colin. Like, come on, man. Just Baylor? me mugging him like this motherfucker. Baylor, man. You were a Heisman Trophy finalist, Baylor. Uh, Not even the good Baylor, the shitty Baylor. (laughs) You had Costco Baylor that year. Uh, I feel like the the BCS did give us that uh, rooting for the random team in the random game a little Mm -hmm. bit more than this this new uh, playoff schedule does. Yeah, I missed the BCS, point blank. I loved the BCS. I hated it at the time, but the further we get away from it, the more I realize I had it pretty good. We are, we are all yeah. like the Wolverine in the bed staring at the picture meme right now, just looking back and stroking fondly the B, the BCS. <laughs> and, and you know who's in my picture is 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 Jameis Winston at Florida State. Like I, he did, <clears throat> he messed us up pretty good at Notre Dame with that uh, pick call, uh, but still, like those were the those were the glory days. Mm-hmm. So who knew he was, he was like one of the last ones. Uh, Tom, we've talked a lot about the stability all over this conference and i'm always curious for every conference going into the year 
is there anyone that's got a possibility of getting fired after this season? Is there anyone, as we look around the Big Ten coaching, that could find their way out the door if this season goes south? I think Scott Frost is in a very much better get your ass to a bowl game or you're gone mode. And even then, honestly, if they get if they go six and six and it's kind of a crappy six and six, he might still be gone. I think if you look in the East, the only coach in the East I could see being in trouble. Like there will be people who are putting James Franklin on the hot seat if Penn State is only going like seven and five or eight and four. But he did, like you mentioned earlier, he did just sign a giant contract extension. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty safe. I don't think Penn State is going to be paying that buyout. The only coach I could really see in the East being in immediate danger would be Indiana's Tom Allen. So it really depends on how much goodwill he bought with that 2020 season during the COVID year because they benefited from it more than anybody else. And then they follow it up immediately by going winless in the Big Ten. The only other job I could see coming open has nothing to do with the performance, but maybe the coach going somewhere else. Like if Scott Satterfield in Louisville have kind of a mediocre season because there are oh. some there are still some sore feelings about sat interviewing for the south carolina job if that job comes open i think brahm might look around and say well i've done just about everything i could do here and i'm gonna go home and see what i could do at louisville yeah little prodigal son action all right yeah mm-hmm. no that's i'd forgotten about that one but you're right that's another situation that kind of like what happened with Jim Marbaugh at Michigan minus all of the winning and success you've got Scott Satterfield sitting in a very uncomfortable spot at Louisville right now um we also talked and you mentioned Aiden O'Connell the best quarterback in the West Division. We've talked about C.J. Stroud. I think this is a really interesting quarterback conference. We've mentioned some of the other names. So as you look maybe past those two, because I think Stroud and Aiden O'Connell probably both sitting at the top of their division, who's the most interesting quarterback heading into this Big Ten season for you? Talia. I I think if you just look at Maryland this year, like they're – they're going to be six and six, seven and five, because like Maryland is great at beating the teams it should beat, and then getting its ass kicked by the teams it has absolutely no chance of beating. But I, you look at that offense. Talia is he doesn't care. He'll he'll try a throw if he thinks it's there, and he's got NFL receivers. And anytime you can combine that kind of YOLO quarterback with NFL receivers you're bound to get some fun stuff. Of course, it can also backfire because if you remember what happened when Maryland played Iowa last year on a Friday night, and I think he threw five interceptions and Iowa scored 51 points, it could go badly. But just fun factor, I think Tali is one of those guys, if he could just refine his game a little bit and take out some of that YOLO and just get a little smarter with his decisions, that's a guy that I think could be not you know a first-round pick, but a guy that's going to get an opportunity in NFL camps. And I really, when I look around the Big Ten right now, I don't see a lot of no-doubt NFL-type quarterbacks. I think he's one of those guys that outside of CJ has probably got a pretty decent bet at it. It's it, it really is amazing. I had a I had a Maryland game last season. When you talk to Mike Loxley about, you know, Tua versus Talia and the comparisons there, like Talia does seem like study habits wise they're like Mm -hmm. he's the one that's more in his notebook more dialed in like that tool was much more of a i'm gonna go out there and play kind of guy here (laughs) is strictly a vibes based quarterback Mm -hmm. and yet talia goes out and essentially has the same effect on the field still so we will see if a uh, healthy dante demas jr next to rakim Jarrett can mitigate any of that because like you said that might be the second best wide receiver duo in the big 10 outside outside of Ohio of ohio state for sure yeah it's the best set of receivers in the conference yeah. Well, I, I wanted to talk about the schedule realignment for the ACC a little bit, the pods. 
Uh, Mike and I had a lot of fun with that. Like if Notre Dame had a pod, the historic way. Do you think anyone else is going to jump on the pod train? I I think the Big Ten could. I think the SEC probably will too. I think that when you get to like 16 teams, you kind of have to at that point because you have to have like when you get the conferences as spread out as they're going to be you have to keep some semblance of the local rivalry that is kind of what makes the sport what it is so you need to keep those games and make sure that they're being played every year because it is just it's ridiculous like alabama and georgia play once every like seven years in the regular season auburn and florida are like longtime rivals and they're separated by only a few hours and they rarely play in the regular season you look at the big 10 it's the same thing with these traditional rivals you're not always guaranteed to play and now when you add usc and ucla to the mix you're going to make even more games where you're not playing your traditional rival. So I do think that we will have some kind of pod like USC and UCLA will have to be in one together, obviously, but it's just, you have to do something to try to maintain it. And I also think what we're going to see too, along with pods, just more conference games. Like we've seen some conferences already have nine, some are still at eight. I think we're going to see 10 game conference schedules before too long. Wow. Which I understand it. And we've seen all of the reasons why, but I always thought and hoped, and maybe there is hope with the remaining games, but the whole appeal of the college football playoff was supposed to be maybe, and we thought at the beginning, especially that Ohio State over Oklahoma year, incentivizing these big-time marquee mm-hmm. out-of-conference matchups that would come to help the sport, but I, I think you're right. That's probably where this road leads to, and, you know, pods for everybody here somewhere bill Connolly smiles very very wide at the world that he has spoken to existence what does what does bill Connolly um, do after he finally gets his pods though like it's kind of like you know the journey's greater than the destination and sometimes when you reach the destination it's not as great as you thought so i i hope bill doesn't have a midlife crisis in this happens <laughs> I, I imagine Bill Connolly going out over the ledge like Thanos watching the sunrise over a grateful universe. He's just there, his shredded up arm from the Infinity Stone, just gets to enjoy a little time off. I think Thanos took up farming after that, so maybe Bill will start growing crops. We'll see how that works out. Uh, love Bill Connolly. Everyone make sure you uh, read and check out everything he does. But um, speaking of scheduling, uh, I always uh, like kind of taking a look at uh, some of the sampling platter that we have. Um, starting with the out-of-conference matchups while we have them here. I know Notre Dame-Ohio State week one is hard to look away from. It has been the big shiny object as a Notre Dame fan. It makes me very nervous at the start of the Marcus Freeman era that this is where we wanted to go and start things out. It's going to be a great helmet matchup. I don't know how well it works out for Notre Dame. So if we understand that's been the top billing on the dais for a while, Tom, is there another one of the out-of-conference matchups that you think really has a chance to be super impactful on this Big Ten season? Uh, I would say, honestly, Nebraska-Oklahoma, I think, is one that comes to mind simply because it'll give us a pretty decent idea of where Nebraska stands because Oklahoma is more vulnerable than it has been at any time in a while. Like they've got the new coach in Brent Venables. They've got a new court, the coordinators, they've got a new quarterback. They've got a lot of guys who had to come in and are immediately taking on larger roles because they're replacing guys who transferred out or graduated. So I think that is the game in I think it's second or third week of the year that can have yeah, a it's pretty a big September 17th. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's going to have a pretty big impact elsewhere. For me, personally, this is not going to be a national one of interest, but Illinois is playing Virginia. 
Yes. And last mm-hmm. year, Virginia worked them. And it kind of completely it, – it led to Illinois completely changing its defensive philosophy. Like Ryan Walters was in his first year as a defensive coordinator. He came as part of Brett Bielema's staff. And you don't typically see teams completely change what they do on defense in the middle of a year. Illinois did. And from that point on, that defense was – under the radar, one of the best in the country. Like it, they did a fantastic job. I think Ryan Walters. When I watch Illinois play, there's a lot of interesting stuff he does that I don't see other teams doing yet, or at least if they have, I haven't noticed it before. And I think he's a guy who's probably going to end up as a head coach within the next few years because I think that like this is again going to be a really good defense. So I want to see. For me, it's a litmus test for Illinois going into year two under Bielema, comparing how they played against Virginia last year to how they're going to play against them this year. And of course, Virginia's gone through plenty of changes of its own. Tony Elliott, the former Clemson offensive coordinator, has left to come become the head coach there. They have new offensive coordinator, new defense. A coordinator so it's not the exact same virginia team but it is still a virginia team that has brennan armstrong at quarterback and has some dudes in dontavian wicks and Caden thomas at receiver so it's a very interesting challenge for me so when it comes to like the lower tier big 10 teams i think that is one of the most interesting non-conference games by far I, I do always love, and I feel like at some point we need to compile a history of games that were so bad it got teams to change so much of what mm-hmm. they do philosophically. Like my mind immediately goes to, I think it was the 2020 Arkansas Ole Miss game where Arkansas kicked the shit out of them. Yes, and Matt yes. Corral threw so many interceptions that they decided to run a four-two-six on defense, and Matt Corral completely overhauled his approach. And now you have you know the most successful modern season in Ole Miss history on the other side of that. So there's a lot of butterfly effect games out there. And uh, listen, if anyone will make you change your ways, it's a left-handed ginger who wears earrings <laughs> named Brennan Armstrong. One of my what he is oh. he is an extremely college football quarterback back yes. to me just as like a caricature of what you think of with the sport you know how i like prompt twitter they'll be like quote tweet this with a random college football player somebody's going to tweet that in like 2035 and a thousand people are going to be like brennan armstrong <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I i can't wait for that day i will be one of the people lining up just getting ready to throw mm-hmm. that sweet ginger bastard into the mix <laughs> College football Twitter 30 years from now scares me. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> College football Twitter five years from now scares me, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. By, by that point, the college football committee will have been replaced by the Sickos committee officially, and we'll have UConn <laughs> and UMass playing for it all every single season. I'm down. Get it, yeah. Give it to me. Yes. <laughs> give me the this. under. Give me that game. Yeah. <laughs> At this <laughs> Hook it to my veins. Oh, all right, Tom. Uh, last one here. We did out a conference matchup here in the conference. You just talked about you know the proliferation of conference games that'll be coming up here. Any that jump out to you? I feel like most of it for me is just kind of looking for Ohio State measuring stick games in here, but mm-hmm. I'm certainly open to other options. <laughs> that's a, that's the problem. There really aren't any Ohio State kind of measuring stick games aside from that Michigan game at the end of the year. So. I I think the biggest minute, one can, can Notre Dame because it's the first game of the season you guys are talking about a little bit of this on, on cover three like is there is there cracks in the hole with that first game that Notre Dame can because Ohio State can afford one loss this season they can but I, I think I mean it's for me like the, the injury to Davis kind of fucks Notre Dame I think because like yeah. you have to outscore Ohio State to beat it and when you lose a person that important 
it's really hard to replace him in the very first game of the year. So I think that really hurts the Irish's ability to win that game. I think defensively, they're probably one of the better equipped teams on Ohio State's schedule to at least slow it down. But nobody's stopping them. Like, unless you have Georgia's defense last year, you're not stopping that Ohio State offense. And there really aren't any Georgia defense left. So I'm not completely writing them off, but I don't, I don't, I don't like your odds. I'm, I'm sorry I asked. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> no name um, fans, look away. Yeah. As, as for the other, another conference game, one that doesn't involve Ohio State, Wisconsin at Iowa, November 12th. Just that's probably going to be for the West. Uh, and that, I mean, the amount of the amount of time, the amount of rushing attempts in that game is going to be oh. just. It's going to be a two-hour, twenty-five-minute game. That is true. Unless, I, honestly, unless it's a, a big noon Saturday game, the dream. Yeah. No, if it's if it's a big noon Saturday game, it will last a minimum of four hours. <laughs> but if it's not, it'll last two and a half. Exactly. I said that's true. So you, you've got one or the other here. We operate in extremes with that one. But if you're a broadcaster not on Big Noon Saturday, then congratulations. You're going to make your flight out of there in the early evening. And I applaud you for that one. The getaway car can drive nice and slow on the way out of that. I will. I, I said this the other day and thinking about Wisconsin. I am amazed. I wonder if Jim Leonard has the chance to become Brent Venables for Wisconsin, where he turns down the flirtation with the Packers job. I sort of wondered aloud as some of those assistant coaching lists came out and they started to put Mm -hmm. up guys for potential head coaching jobs there. Jim Leonard, south of 40. He's obviously done an incredible job with that defense. They were freak shows last year, especially against the run. In a world where Georgia's defense doesn't exist from last year, we probably spend a lot more time talking about them, but that does seem a guy that they could probably get to hold on to for a good long while around there, which is great for them, and I know they get pissed off every time I mention his name in a conversation like this, but he certainly warranted it based on performance. Yeah, I always it's funny because I think of Leonard as like the coach in waiting there. But uh, I also yeah. I also always think Paul Christ is older than he is because Paul Christ has been on that Wisconsin coaching staff forever. Like he left for Oregon State and then he was the head coach at Pitt for a while. But I mean since like two thousand and one or two thousand and two, Paul Christ has been a member of the Wisconsin coaching staff. So he's been there for twenty years, which makes you think that he's a lot older than he is, but he's fifty six. So for coaching years, he might be there for another decade if Wisconsin keeps doing what it's doing. So it's like, does Jim Leonard want to sit around there for another decade? Or is he just kind of doing what I thought Luke Fickle was doing for a while, where it's like he knows that other opportunities are going to come. He knows that he's going to be able to keep putting together great defenses because there's a clear blueprint there that he follows that has been very successful for him. So maybe he's just kind of waiting for a top-tier job to come open before leaving, or maybe he's just happy being a defensive coordinator, being paid very well to be the defensive coordinator at the school where he played. Also very true. Also got a factor in there. You're right. Paul Chris definitely seems like he is a guy that shops with coupons, so I thought he was a lot older than he was there. Like he, enjoys, he enjoys clipping them, I should say. Shopping with coupons, totally normal. He enjoys the act of just clipping them out and putting them in a little book. It's it's like his bonsai tree. It's his little Zen garden. He's just clipping coupons. Like, oh, a dollar off at Walmart. Look at this. This is going to be a big one. It's a, it's a hell of a Sunday morning here, honey. <laughs> honey, bulk tuna with this one. We're really going to stock up for the winter. It's going to be it's great. It's the chicken of the sea, you know. 
<laughs> oh, from ranch to the chicken of the sea, Tom Fornelli contains multitudes. Everyone, check out the Cover 3 podcast. Make sure you read Tom over at CBS Sports. Tom, we appreciate all the help here today, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, speaking of the Big Ten, I'd be remiss if I didn't show love to one of the big winners of name, image, and likeness that started going viral. Now, unfortunately, oh, he is out for an extended period of time, I believe, with a, uh, an injury in Nebraska Cornhuskers camp. But, that being said, DeColdis Crawford, true freshman wide receiver for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, had a viral advertisement that he did for a local SOS heating and cooling company in Lincoln, Nebraska that obviously makes use of his very creative first name and has him helping selling, you know, uh, people that are going to come and make sure your house is nice and cold during the hot summer days. So I love it. I'm so glad every time shit like this pops up. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about NIL in a bit, but I just wanted to make sure he got the love because we all saw the coldest coming down the pipeline when he was being recruited. And now preparation met opportunity god's timing was perfect and he delivered us into a college football world that was going to be able to properly celebrate this young man i mean ac is just so important and uh his name obviously is important as well i'm just glad we could get those things together it was the perfect combination of things here brandon but uh uh less perfect by the way before we get to this that and the third um do you see more kevin durant's fires getting started in the office yesterday on God's I I I saw I saw some 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 leaks some leaks we had a, we had a beautiful sort of bouquet of Kevin Durant related news so you had ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst coming out and saying that there are no no urgency in trade talks with the Nets for Kevin Durant right now so a little bit of sobering reality then yep you have NBA insider Mark Stein coming out here and apparently according to one team executive saying Kevin Durant uh, believes Kevin Durant is more apt to retire than play again for the Brooklyn Nets. Which finally we get to end off with Kevin Durant himself then coming out to Twitter and letting everybody know how he feels, which is 
Quote, I know most people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if it's anyone out there that'll listen, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Shit is comical at this point. Brandon, all of it goes back to, again, that none of this is sincere, whether it is Kevin Durant's representation that is helping doing this while allowing him to maintain some semblance of plausible deniability, whether it is competing executives who may want Kevin Durant on their team and believe that headlines like this will continue to bring down his potential trade value for the Brooklyn Nets, or if it's some combination of all of them, remember, none of it's about the sincerity of each individual story. It is all about making this shit messy enough for Brooklyn, Joe Sy, and everyone else involved to believe that they are better off without having to deal with this in the 2022 season than the prospect of potentially strong-arming him into playing for their basketball team. I keep saying it, and these things keep popping up, sprinkled as we get closer toward the season, just little fires all over the office. Listen, I said I'm rooting for the craziest move to happen. I was expecting that to be on a team and, and some team to be in a upheaval. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets for losing Kevin Durant. But now, retirement, Mike? Mm. After we spent one year without uh, Kawhi Leonard? I like the idea of every year one of these superstars just taking a break. Even the playing right. field a little bit. Just take a little, take a little time off. Go collect your thoughts. And then come back and move on. So just your reminder that this is going to be a steady stream of this all along in perpetuity until we get to the start of the season and someone wins in this staring contest for the services of one of the five best players in the NBA. Wait a minute, you telling me that this Kevin Durant story isn't in this, that, or the third? No, 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 Brandon. But you know what time it is now that you mention it. Oh, man. All those times you said that I loved you, you lied to me. Yes, I tried. Yes, I tried, tried, tried. It's this, that, and the third. Yes, it is. It's this, that, and the third. Come on, it's this, that, and the third. Oh, my God. You oh know God. that I'll be here. I am. It's this, that, and the third. Once again, it's this, that, and the third. Pump up the world. It's this, that, and the third. Watch my flow. You know that I'll be there. Here I go. So I own the back Yes, I. I felt like that sounded more Jamaican than I remember the original one being. Come on. I felt like he, I thought I thought I thought he was African, no? I mean it just it, I don't know if that at your accent was giving if uh, it was giving African, if it was giving Jamaican there. Again, it was good. It was well no, adapted. No, it was all on time and the beat. I just had questions. No. I just had questions. I, I got I gotta look up I'm not, I gotta look up immediately where Mark Morrison's from. He's British. Oh, well, go figure. <laughs> That explains why you have difficulty with the accent. Brandon, let's get to this because someone else having a difficult time deciphering messages has to be Milwaukee Bucks fans. Mm. Giannis Antetokounmpo is promoting a new telehealth company called Antidote Health. And when he was asked in a scrum for that by Fox 32 Chicago about the potential of playing for the Chicago Bulls in the future, he reiterated his commitment to the Bucks, but then said, quote, I think anybody you ask that question that plays basketball, if he said no, he'd be a liar. It's a team that won multiple championships. It's a team that has one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player to ever play the game, played for. So it's a no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. 
He said, down the line, you never know. You never know what life brings. Maybe I play for Chicago, but right now I'm committed to Milwaukee. Brandon, I have appreciated Giannis Antetokounmpo, who gets this brand of being one of the kind, happy-go-lucky superstars, mm-hmm. ordering the 50-piece nuggets after the championship, the local guy that stayed home. We've seen the last couple off-seasons has kind of sprinkled some breadcrumbs that just say, hey, I'm keeping my options open, so you better keep the foot on the gas. That's all I'm saying. And I appreciate that from him because it seems to go so much against the public persona that we've all put on Giannis. Forget the public persona that we put on Giannis. It's the public persona that he's pushed out there. I remember where I was working at the Herd when he came on 2017 and was talking about how he'd never leave the Milwaukee Bucks for any any reason. Now that the world knows that uh, that is he, he is Himothy and he's acting like it because he put up 50 in a closeout game in the finals. On the, I mean, it was crazy. Now he's being more realistic. He's like, you know what? Uh, what would LeBron do? Instead of what would Jesus do bracelet? What would LeBron do? He's like, I think the Bulls are my Lakers. So... And listen, he already has the benefit of having won the championship for the team that drafted him. Like, it's not like LeBron who had to leave to learn how to win titles. He was able to do that in Milwaukee. He will walk out of there a king whenever he leaves because of what he already gave to that city. So, I get it. Now, I don't think it's going to help fans in Milwaukee sleep any sounder because you've already had to deal with the weird Aaron Rodgers shit over the last few years if you're in Wisconsin, and now this from the guy that's supposed to be the one that you can count on, it just, it was, let's put it this way, Brandon, there was an easy way out of this, even accounting for, you know, someone who's speaking English as a second language and all these different things, like, there's easier ways out of this for a guy who certainly knows his way around the microphone at this point, but he willingly went here, right. which leads me to believe this is what's on dude's heart. Yes, everything you just said, I was just thinking about, because I obviously, I talked about, I watched Rise on Disney+, Plus. So. Um, watching Disney Plus, um, but I was like, "Oh no, he's got a grasp of the English language so much, though, that he is like, like l- not only leaving breadcrumbs, but like he could have easily said something that was a uh, uh, a smokescreen." But he was like, "Oh no, yeah, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Are you kidding me? Of course, I want to play with them. They're in the East too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and yes." <laughs> And huge legend. Uh, Milwaukee, good luck, man. Just stick with the spotted cow and cheese curds. Y'all got this one. You're going to battle through this. You already got the goods. But, uh, Brandon, let's get to that. Um, News came out. And, listen, unfortunate, certainly at the beginning of this. Miles Brennan, who started at quarterback for LSU in the 2020 season but missed most of the last couple of years with injuries, is no longer going to play college football, he announced on Monday. He put a statement out on social media saying he's stepping away from football. He said, I'm forever grateful for every opportunity I've been given, every obstacle I've overcome, and every second I've been a Tiger. However, after five seasons, it's time for me to start a new chapter in life. Plenty of statements lauding him as a teammate and otherwise from Brian Kelly, the current head coach there. That's not the part of the story I'm interested in, though. And certainly, listen, from his perspective, we hope it's the right decision for him. We've both seen guys whose injuries have derailed their careers, affected their careers. That shit's hard, man. It's a lot mentally on players. And so if this guy said, hey, you know what? In a crowded quarterback room right now that saw Jaden Daniels come over from ASU in the offseason, I'd understand it. I'd understand it being more than it's worth to him at this point in his career based on what he's been through. But 
in the NIL era, that's not the only thing that we have to consider here because Miles Brennan had signed name, image, and likeness deals Ooh. with Raising Canes, Smoothie King, Gamecoin, Small Sliders, and Hollingsford Richards Ford. He hadn't played a single game since he signed any of those deals, but because the NIL deals can't be based on performance, mm. he keeps all of the money. This according to Darren Ravel on Twitter. Shout out Man. to the finesse god, because let me tell you what. This goes back to something I remember being told uh, heading into the NFL draft as you're going to these big box places to get trained. And they school you up not just on how to ace the 40 and all the shit at the combine, but the interviews, the meetings, and how to deal with representation. And part of that is, you'll hear, it costs a lot of money to train guys to get ready for the NFL. That money is spent by agents on these players, amongst other things. Cars, where they're going to live, all yep. that stuff. And sometimes you'll hear stories about agents trying to go back, and these are some of the less reputable agents, trying to go back and recoup money if it doesn't work out with the player, get paid back for what they were owed yep. there. And one of the first things we were told was, no, 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 that's the cost of doing business. Yeah. Meaning if you're getting ready to potentially hit your wagon to me while I go on and go out here and do all the business of earning us money, then part of that is going to be you got to spend some money on the process. And this is the same shit we're talking about now with NIL. Where again, because we haven't opened up the pay for play vault, and this is all just funny money that gets thrown around based on who these kids are and how they look in the uniform, this is the cost of doing business. So Miles Brennan, count every last dollar that came your way because everybody knew what the deal was when they walked into this agreement and you made the best decision for yourself and your family and we applaud that and we applaud you even a little bit more for getting yourself a little bit more rich on the way out oh absolutely this guy's breaking the mode he's uh the paul revere of sorts and i i can't wait to see uh the next iteration of uh joe and the scammer uh getting by but also like it's not necessarily it's not completely scamming he had every intention of playing but then he did but then things happened yeah, listen, situations change. That's what we always talk about. And college football players have often not had a way out of certain situations when they go a different route for them. And between the portal and NIL, now they got ways to go out here and collect. So again, you got a limited window to make money. Sometimes injury can affect that. Get every last dollar that is coming your way. Miles Brennan, we salute you here at the Gojo Podcast. Amen. Brandon, let's get to the third, though. This one... Um, Draymond Green got married over this past weekend. Yes, he did. And you put me on to this. The picture's coming out of this. This was a who's who of the NBA. Obviously, his Golden State Warriors teammates were there, but LeBron James and others Jason showed Tatum. up and were very present. Like, guys he just beat in the NBA Finals. Right. Which reminds you that all these guys are friends, and True. a lot of them played on Team USA together, know each other outside of basketball. It's bigger than basketball, yes. as LeBron likes to remind us. That's not the most noteworthy part. Now, obviously, it looked wonderful. I, it photographed well. I will say something that was noteworthy. Uh, Draymond Green had Roddy Rich and the baby perform at his wedding. Now, I don't know. Usually, maybe you would try to get the boys to men, Montel Jordan, Dino Jones. I'm going aging myself, uh, Eric B. But... A performance from Roddy Rich and the baby to turn up the crowd. I mean that I mean the budget on this thing. Yeah, the budget you're gonna need for the baby's legal fees after that inevitably goes wrong too. So how he's still getting gigs like that is beyond me, man, but story for another day. True. So you had that going on there. Musical guests like it's going out of style. Awesome. They also apparently had to have and 
I don't know if there's any way to verify this or not, but this was video that made its way onto Instagram. I don't, I didn't see whose account it was, but it seems to pretty clearly, and it says, "Love you at uh, Love Hayes Renee, who I'd assume is uh, Draymond Green's fiance at Money Twenty Three Green for having us. Congratulations!" And it is video of a blunt station. You've seen a lot of cigar stations at weddings. This is rolling some of the fattest blunts I have ever seen in my life, Brandon. And this feels like you're you are a married person. I am not. I've been to plenty of weddings, but you had your wedding here. Where is this rank on the list of wedding favors that you've seen? I mean, definitely in the top five, ten. You know what I mean? Not ten. Let's be real. Top, top, top five. Top five, top three. Here's the thing. You have to make the party the way you want it, right? Like, this, it, as much as an event for everyone else, it's your party, and everyone has to party in your style. That's what these weddings are. <sighs> for them to think that their guests needed this as well as this is what they want to have around to have a good time. The the ambiance, if you will, they want it in the air, right? They want it floating. Kids probably not invited to this event. This is, this yeah, is, I'd imagine it's a big enough venue to where they probably had this but, in a place where the kids weren't going to be catching the second hand. But I, I, depending on what state it is, I'm interested in the doggy bag to go from this blunt rolling station. But when it comes to, uh, First class, high class events. Like everyone always talks about the cigar life. I, all I, I like to say quietly, everyone who's obsessed with cigars are kind of obsessed with smoking whatever out of the cigars, aka blunts. So <laughs> this is right on par, and I and I'm glad to see. I don't know if LeBron actually smoked. Him and uh, him and Mav Carter were were jumping around and look. They looked kind of like they were enjoying themselves. I'm just glad that LeBron maybe took a break from red wine and you know dabbled in some uh, California cannabis. I can only imagine how much wine and wine conversation went on at that wedding with oh all my those gosh. guys there. Iguodala. Uh, Oh, it's just, it had to be all over it. If you had, Brandon, um, at your wedding, did you have like a special favor in there? Or if you could go back with an unlimited budget like this, is there anything that you would have had as your like dream favor at a wedding? It feels, I I don't, Mike, honestly, I need some time on that. I need some time on that. I have have three potential options. One of them I think I heard from somebody else and I'm stolen. Okay. Tattoo artist. Mike. That is insane. I want a bunch of my drunk I friends and it. me getting reckless tattoos at the end of the night. I love the idea and of getting a tattoo. You probably have it where you've got like pre like you've got stenciled ones or ones that you can go over there and point to so it's not just like people getting dicks drawn on them, right. but I love the idea of having that option. Like if you had a real tattoo stand, you know, they have like the face painting places at uh, Yes. Yes. If you had a real tattoo shop place at your at your wedding, oh man, that'd be so dope. That'd be my next tattoo. So I've got, I've got that one. Um, cupcake decoration station. Not just having cupcakes, but I've maintained that one of the funnest things you can do in baking is use the piping instrument where you get Absolutely. to put the frosting on a cupcake or cake. Yeah. And so if you get drunk people with the option to go over there, because then you can squirt the piping right into your mouth. You can yeah. do all that fun stuff with icing. It's a no-brainer. And then my last option, really, like unlimited budget if you want to blow this all the way out. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory style chocolate river. Mike. Take a chocolate fondue and just make it a river that I can dive into at the end of the night. Where's the venue? 
I mean, again, if I'm doing it with this kind of money, we already talked about this place had to be big enough sure. for you to smoke. Because it was a ton of weed in this video. And again, if it's verified and if this is really what it is, I'm going to suspend disbelief and say, all right, in this world, you could have a place where you can go and smoke this much weed and not have it be around any kids that are potentially there. Then I'm going to assume a venue exists that could accommodate my need for a chocolate river. Mike, I'm telling you, I just saw the, the weed for the first time, the, the station and... uh the different options here. It's a lot. Of, that's a lot of weed. That's a lot of. That's a lot of. That's, that's a ton. Yeah. Pre-rolled. That's a. And like I said, I was. I was right. Those. Are, that's. That's cigar papers for the for them blunt wraps. Yeah. That's a. It looks like a time and a half, Mike. It looks like a time and a half. So congratulations to the newly married Draymond Green. We hope it was a very happy day. And it looks like, by all accounts, it had some help in getting even happier. Uh, as always, we're happy when you make it to the end of this podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review telling us your favorite potential wedding favor if there was no limit on money that you could pour into that. We appreciate it. We will have NFL division previews coming up as this week goes along. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>